Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. And speaking of prayer, I'm going to pray right now, and we're going to get into the book of Galatians. So Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the people that are here. I thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your word, God. I pray you'd help us to understand. I pray you'd help me to speak clearly. And I pray, God, that your power would be here, God, to change. If you want to turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 15, that's where we're going to start today. A little bit of background. We're in a book study in Galatians. The uh, Galatia was an area where a lot of churches were started. It was a wide area, and Paul wrote a letter to them. They, uh, they had some conflict in there. In fact, one of the biggest, um, in fact, the biggest conflict of the early church was how do Jewish people and non-Jewish people serve Christ? How do they fit together? How do they um, come together? And so, we, last week we talked about Peter and Paul, and there was some conflict and some things, and, and we talked about how Paul went and had a conversation. And I got to tell you, if you leave here with anything from last week, sometimes you just need to talk to people. You need to get face-to-face, and you need to, um, to let that relationship uh, be whole. And so now we're going into, and here's kind of what Paul was telling Peter And this is his point of kind of that conflict. So I'm going to read a few verses and then we're going to talk about them. But verse 15, it says, But we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Um, It's really nice to be called a Gentile sinner, but that's what Paul did. So he's basically saying, like, I I was a Jewish person. I was born a Jewish person um, and we're not Gentiles. But then he goes in verse 16, he says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So that we who have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because of the works of the law, no one will be justified. So talking about like the laws that we have, don't speed, don't steal, those type of things. It's talking about the, the Jewish set of laws that they had that, that, that governed their whole community, that governed the way they lived and governed the way they related to God and to each other. That's probably not a word thing that you need to know. Is When it talks about the word justified, that's probably not a word you've used this week. But it, it is an important word in Scripture, and it, it means counted righteous or made right with God. I would think all of you here, if you're coming to church, you're, you're probably interested in being made right with God. I heard somebody describe it once. It's, it's not the Greek, but it helps us understand. It's, it's just as if you've never sinned. It's just as if you never did anything to break that relationship with God, that your relationship with God is fixed and you are declared righteous or declared right. And he says here, it does not happen by the works of the law, because it says by the works of the law, no one will be justified. 
And so I've got a little partner that's going to come up here and help me talk about this. So come on, Jeremy. This is my son, Jeremy. I checked with him, made sure he wouldn't be too embarrassed by this. But, but right now, um, pretend we're not father and son. Pretend we're brothers. And we're not in church. We're in the back of the car. All right? This is a scene that you may have played out yourself with your siblings, or you may have seen with your kids, but you're in a road trip. Brothers are sitting there. And not this one, but let's say me. I'll be the bad brother. I am doing stuff like this for no reason other than I'm bored, and well, we'll get there. But then, then a voice comes from the front, which brings the law, and the law says, don't touch your brother, because you're bothering him. It may not say it that nice, all right, but... The other brother does this. I'm not touching you. (laughs) See, the law was put in place for me not to bother, but the law came to me as don't touch him, and so I'm going to obey that law, (laughs) but yet at the same time break that law. And that's why by obeying the law, no one is justified, no one is made right, because there's so many things, God says don't touch something, don't do something, and we're like, all right, God, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not greedy and covetousness. I'm not doing whatever, but we like to get right up to it, and we could say on the outside, I'm listening, Dad. I'm obeying the law, but the spirit of the law is still broken. And so by the works of the law, no one is justified. In fact, what needs to happen for the the bad brother, me, the one I'm playing, is I need a change of heart. I need to figure out what it looks like to love him and not annoy him. Give Jeremy a hand. You can go sit down, buddy. But the point is, is the, the works of the law, no matter what works we're talking about, they can very easily be like bent. And we can say on the outside, I'm doing the right thing. But on the inside is where the problem is. And that's what Christ, that's what he really explained to us. In fact, when he said, um, when he talked about the law, when they said, Lord, what's the most important commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the spirit of the law. Spirit. That's exactly what Paul is getting to in these verses. He's saying you're not justified, you're not made right, by the works in the law of the law, but verse 16 it says, but through faith in Christ Jesus. Because when we place our faith in Jesus, something happens. And let's read the end of chapter 2, and we're going to talk about what happens when we put our faith in Christ. It says, but if we endeavor to be justified in Christ, 
we, but if we endeavor to be justified in Christ, and we too are found to be sinners, is Christ therefore a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what he's talking about, he's saying, hey, if, if we're seeking to be made right with God and, and have our relationship with God correct and we still sin, we're just proving we need a Savior. Because we all sin and, and until Christ comes back, it's, it's going to be that way. But what he's saying here, he's saying, through the law, I died to the law. The law was fulfilled in Christ. Christ lived the law perfectly. Everything that somebody was supposed to do, Jesus did. So through him and his death, somehow we've died too. And that's exactly what he's saying in verse 20. Verse 20 is one of the most mystical, powerful wonderful things that Paul ever wrote. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. See, that's what faith is supposed to look like, is that we put such trust and such reliance. We were crucified with Christ. Your old man has been killed. It's dead, Kevin. It's not alive anymore. It's nothing you did, it's something Christ did, but with your faith in him, the old Kevin is gone. The old Chris is gone. And then he says, it's no longer I who live. So it's not just about being dead, it's about being alive. And we will never be alive until our sinfulness is dealt with. We'll never truly experience the life that God created for us to experience. Remember I talked about a change of heart? Well, that's the change of heart. It's, it's Christ living in me. It's not just that I'm following the law and not touching you or touching sin or, or any of that stuff. But it's that my heart has been changed and I don't even want to bother my brother. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to love my children because Christ lives in me. See, it's a change of heart. Paul says in Romans, it talks about the love of God being poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit. And see, that's what he says in the end of verse 20. He says, the life which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. So it's not effort, it's faith, it's trust in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. See, we have four purposes in this church. We want to see everyone in this community fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and make a difference. This first part, the falling in love with Jesus, you won't fall in love with him if you don't realize how much he loves you. But man, when you experience that, when you realize that, when that becomes real, and 
then you can start to love God too. And by default, loving God is always connected to loving others. So when we know he loved us, and that he gave himself for us, when we have that same loving Savior in our own hearts, we'll love people, and we'll give ourselves for people. Verse 21, he says, I do not nullify the grace of God. Nullify means make it void or, or cause it not to work. When you, when you put your effort into pleasing God outside of faith, you're basically saying that grace is not enough. That God won't love you unless you behave a certain way. And that, that is not what the Scripture says. In fact, the Scripture says we were all misbehaving, but He loved us anyway. And when He should have brought judgment on us, instead He brought judgment on Christ. And when Christ deserved everything because He lived perfectly, everything good was supposed to be for Christ. No, He took our judgment and all that goodness and love and grace comes to us freely. Because it says, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And see, that was the battle. That was the confusion. It was like, what do we do with the law? We have these Gentile people who, who had never known the law. They had not lived by the law. So were they supposed to do all of it? And Paul was like, no. They're supposed to trust Jesus. But when you trust Jesus, then you're crucified. You'll be living the right way. You won't have to try to do it. It will just happen. In fact, a few chapters later in chapter, um, in, later in Galatians, it gives this whole speech about the fruit of the Spirit. This life change that happens when you're crucified and when Christ lives in you and this new way of living. But the Galatians didn't get that. And in fact, we're going to go into chapter 3 right now and Paul's going to be really hard on them. And if you are trying to live by the law, trying to do things to please God, I guarantee you you're failing. And instead of living under grace, you're living under guilt. There are two things that mess up our relationship with Jesus, with God. One is sin, and the other is guilt. They're both taken care of in Christ. Verse 1 of chapter 3. He's going to start off pretty hard. He goes, oh, foolish Galatians. You're a fool if you turn from Christ to the law. Who has bewitched you? Who put a spell on you? I don't think it was an actual spell. This was just like a, a phrase he was using. But we've all seen people, at least I have, I've been around church long enough, where you see people really understand grace and really understand Jesus. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's like a fog comes over them. And they, they become very religious and, and very empty of love and full of the law and rules and nastiness and meanness and who bewitched you? Who, who, who put a spell publicly portrayed as crucified? 
Paul's saying, I, I explain this to you. My whole message to you was the cross, was what that means and why he did it and the, and the change that happens and, and the grace that is there. He was clouded your mind. Like this was the point. And you've clouded your mind. Your mind has been clouded. Your, your thinking has been, has been warped. And he's going to ask some questions. In fact, the best way to teach sometimes, whether it's your kid or in a classroom or just one-on-one, is is a good question. So he's going to ask them some questions to get them to think for themselves about this. Verse 2, he says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's a good question. In fact, many of us, I was one of these people that when I came to Christ, um, I was really, really bad. My life was out of control. Sin was my hobby. I really enjoyed it. I looked for new and creative ways to sin. And, 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 I, and I know when God saved me, It's not because he looked down and he said, man, that guy has it all together. Maybe you were that person, that you just had it all together when when you encountered Christ. But but I was a mess, and so did I receive the Spirit? Did the Spirit of God work in my life because I just had it all together? No. It's because I heard with faith. I heard that this message of forgiveness and mercy that my life would be changed, and when I did that, the Spirit of God came into my heart. Maybe some of you are like that too. Verse 3, he asks another question. Are you so foolish? Some of you are going to use that question later in many different ways. Are you foolish? Are you just being a fool? It is foolish. It's foolish to have the grace of God to have Christ in front of you and to reject it for a law and a set of rules. He said, having begun by the Spirit, foolish means are you, are you dull? Are you unintelligent? Are you not thinking about this? This happens with believers today. We begin in the Spirit. We begin with grace. We know we didn't deserve it, but yet we move into a place where we're trying to earn God's favor. And maybe it's something as simple as like reading your Bible. For me, this sounds so dumb. But, but this, is, this is something that really happened in my life is I, I became a believer in April and by like August, I read the Bible like three times because I loved it and it was alive and it was awesome and I just I couldn't get enough of it. But it quickly turned for me from this thing of joy and this thing of encouragement to this guilt. Where if I didn't read it or I didn't read enough, then I wasn't trying hard enough and I wasn't serving God well enough. And and it had become a law to me. Rather than a source of grace, which it's supposed to be, a source of hope, a source of encouragement, it had become this this thing that I was doing to make myself perfect. 
And I needed to be reminded that it's a work of grace, it's a work of the Spirit. There's nothing that I could do to fix myself. Vain. Verse 4, he goes on, he says, Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Coming to Christ and, and their whole lives, like you, you got to understand what it was like for these peoples in these cities and these villages when your whole village or your whole city was built around worshiping this God because most cities, most villages had their local deity. And everybody in there, the whole city life, was built around going to that temple or that altar, offering this sacrifice or that sacrifice. It was like a family going for that sacrifice because I found one greater. I found this sacrifice that happened in Jesus, and, and I don't have to offer any other sacrifices because God is pleased with me because of what Christ has done. Your friends and family, some of them might have bought into it. But the rest of you, the rest of them probably would have been like, oh, that's awesome, that's great, good for you. Are you coming to the temple? Are you coming to the altar? I don't even believe it, but it's what we do, man. You think that everybody that went to the altar back then really believed in it? No, it was a community thing. Some did, but it was more just a way of living, and it was a suffering to come out of that and to be placed into a new community. Did you suffer so many things in vain? Verse 5 is one of my favorite verses in this, this whole book. And there's a lot of them in this book of Galatians. But he says, Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do so by works of the law or by the hearing of, with faith? There's a few things you got to understand. That word supplies, it means he provides at his own expense. You don't have to get, it's a gift. It's free. He gives what is necessary for the well-being. It, it has the roots. The roots of this word in the Greek have the roots in kind of like public service where there would be a governor or somebody like placed in an area and they would provide for that person so he could do his role as the governor or whatever he did. A soldier accomplished the purpose that he had. It's the same thing. This spirit is given to us. It's supplied Right now, like you need to understand that Jesus is supplying the Spirit to you at his own expense with grace. It's a gift. Like he is giving you the Spirit of God for a purpose. And it says, works miracles among you. See, see, there's a this is wonderful. This was written to just regular believers spread out in the area of Galatia, and they were people who God had supplied the Spirit to, not just Paul. And they were also people among whom God was actively working miracles. See, God can still do that today, be actively working in your life. We had a testimony. We took my son to the doctor for his heart condition, not Jeremy, our other son. It's still good. 
He's had a heart condition from a baby. And, and he's still good. He's still healthy. Our sister back here, she, she had a big thing. And I don't want to tell all of her business, but, but go ahead, she says. <laughs> but the cancer is still gone. Like, we can trust that these things will happen for regular people. That the supply of things on our behalf, but look why. Does he do it because we earned it? Did you earn that? No. It wasn't because you did everything right and God was like, all right, well, she's been to church, her Bible, 345 days. I'll give her a little bit. Check. She's generally kind to most people, except for him, but it's okay. So she's earned her healing today. No. It was a gift. It was free. Hearing with faith. Believing that what God said he would do that he will actually do, that you can trust him, that you can rely on him, and that it doesn't count on you. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. Like, you gotta, le- you gotta leave here today understanding that, that the next time you fail, the next time you sin, the next time you break a commandment of God, and you come to him and you ask for mercy, that yes, you will get mercy. But not only mercy, there's grace, there's a supply of the Spirit for you, and there's this miracle working of power of God. He will work everything for your good. And it's not because you deserve it, it's because that is what he wants to do for the people that trust him. Verse 6, he says, And he points out, he gives the reason why all this is true. He says, just as Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, the the father of the Jewish nation, the, 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 the one who kind of established what it was to have a relationship with God, very early on in Genesis, it says he believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, or he was justified. Verse 7, it says, Know this, or know then, that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Those of faith. Those who are trusting God. That word sons. All right, if I can be the bride of Christ which the scripture says I am, which I don't get it, but okay, then ladies, you can be a son of Abraham because it was the sons who got the inheritance. And it's this idea that every single one of us in here gets an inheritance to Abraham. We get the blessing that was promised to Abraham. In fact, that's what he says in verse 8. He says in the scripture for seeing that God would justify or make the Gentiles right by faith, preach the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. 
So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. In Genesis, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, in you all the nations will be blessed. Not just the Jewish nation because it didn't exist yet. Abraham didn't have didn't start yet. He was starting that one. But all nations, all people, we can be blessed with Abraham through faith. And so I, I hope today that your faith is encouraged, that, that, that if you walked in here with sin, you know the answer is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you walked in here with guilt, the answer is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If you walked in here feeling alone and like God's wasn't near you, the Spirit is supplied to you, given freely everything you need. Like He is enough. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes for a second? You won't last very long as a believer if you don't understand the wonders of grace, the wonder of faith, the fact that He loves us for no other reason but He decided to. And if you would just trust Him, put your hope in Him, put your, your, your faith in in him there's grace there's mercy the, the sky's the limit there's grace there's mercy there's a supply of the spirit there's a god that will work miracles among you that means you don't even have to wait for church for god to do something you can get in your own house with your family with your spouse or by yourself when something's going on and you can say hey god I need you, and I trust you that you said that you'd supply the Spirit and you'd work miracles, so I need a miracle. I need you to move. Help me. And it doesn't depend on what you do or what you've done. It depends on where your faith is. If your faith is in yourself, it will fail. In fact, when you, when you try to live by the law or live by rules, you're putting your faith in yourself and you will fail. But Christ never fails. So put your faith in him. If you've come in here today and you realize, you recognize there's been some some transgression, some sin, some, some brokenness in you that has caused you to break. If you've come in here, to, there's mercy. If you've come in here today with guilt, maybe you, yeah, I believe God has forgiven me, but you can't get rid of the guilt. That guilt is done away on the cross. If there's anybody in here that is battling with sin, with shame and guilt. I'd like to pray for you right now. 
Would you put your hand up if that's you? Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>